0: Hello, everyone, and welcome. So first of all, thank you all for making time to attend this particular session. I know it's not easy to be away from your families and spend a week in Vegas, uh, but uh, we've got some real good content here to cover over the next 60 minutes, so hopefully it will be worth your time. My name is Sid Gupta, and I'm a senior product manager at AWS, and today I'm gonna be talking about best practices for centrally monitoring resource configuration and compliance. I'm super excited to be sharing the stage with a customer, Bradley Segobiano from Genesis, will share a bit about, you know, how they are using governance practices at Genesis and some of the tools mentioned in this particular session. So here's what you can expect from this session. I'll talk a little bit about the suite of services that comprise AWS management tools and what problems they solve. I'll then talk about two very important areas Uh, that lay an effective governance framework. Uh, These are inventory and configuration management and configuration compliance management. I'll explain the role of AWS Convick in this space, Um, and then we'll have Brad talk about how he uses uh, some of the governance strategies at Genesis. Uh, I'll then dive into the specifics about the best practices for monitoring, centrally monitoring resource configuration and compliance. I'll also walk into some cool demos along the way. So we've got a lot to cover over the next 60 minutes, so let's get started. Now before I dive into the details about uh, best practices for centrally monitoring uh, resource configuration, let me give you a bit overview about AWS Management Tools. So AWS Management Tools provide you with a suite of services that you can use to enable governance across your environment. You can use tools such as AWS CloudFormation and Service Catalog to provision resources uh, into your environment. You can use CloudTrail to get visibility into the API calls that occur in your account. And then you can use AWS Config to track changes to the configuration of those resources. You can patch your entire EC2 fleet using AWS Systems Manager Patch Manager You can run remote commands without establishing an SSH connection, or you could run automation docs on instances to take care of routine tasks. You can also use our Manage Chef and Puppet service through AWS OpsWorks. And lastly, you can monitor, report, uh, and respond to events using Amazon CloudWatch. So a lot of services here that comprise AWS management tools, but together, these set of tools give you uh, the ability to effectively manage governance in your environment. Now let's shift gears and talk about two very important areas that lay the foundation of an effective cloud governance framework. The first one is inventory and configuration management. So what is inventory and configuration management? And why do you need An inventory and configuration management system maintains a real-time inventory of your cloud resources, their current configuration, as well as their historic configuration. You can use inventory and configuration management systems to help answer questions such as, what's currently out there in the cloud? What does the current configuration of my critical workload look like? What relationships exist between my resources? what configuration changes have occurred to my critical workload over the last one week, and things like that. Now this information is extremely valuable when you're investigating an outage or maybe a security breach. So for example, an inventory management system would help you in identifying a list of EC2 instances that are currently online and that are built on top of a particular machine image that may have security vulnerabilities. Now, configuration compliance management, on the other hand, is about verifying that your resources comply with certain best practices or baseline policies. Now, I'm sure most of you have some sort of governance policies that you may have managed, perhaps in your on-premise environment or maybe even in the cloud. So a configuration compliance management system allows you to define those policies for your cloud resources and alerts you in real time when any resource violates those policies. So in summary, these two processes support governance initiatives by providing accurate configuration information to assist with decision-making, such as authorization of changes, release planning, et cetera. They also help in minimizing the number of quality and compliance issues that you may have due to inaccurate configuration. So here's a trivia question for you. Which AWS service helps you with these functions? Any guesses? Well, it's AWS Config. So from an inventory and configuration management perspective, when you enable AWS Config, it will automatically discover the resources that exist in your account and record their current configuration. From there on, it will also start tracking any configuration changes that occur to that resources. So you have a full historical record of all configuration changes that occurred to your resource. It will also alert you in real time using Amazon SNS or CloudWatch events whenever there is a configuration change or a compliance change. So in other words, you could see AWS Config as a continuous configuration auditor. You can retrieve these, uh, the current as well as historical configuration uh, through APIs as well. So you can programmatically interface it or build your own dashboards uh, with your internal tools. You can think about these APIs as a superset of the describe APIs that we have today for various resources, where you have the information, typically that's returned through a describe API, as well as the relationships between resources and any tags associated with the resources. So it's kind of like a superset of that. Now, AWS Config has the second part, which is the policy engine part, and that's AWS Config rules. Now, this provides you a mechanism to check your resources against best practices or baseline policies. For example, you may want to make sure that you don't have any S3 buckets that are publicly writable or publicly readable. And you may want to do that not just for one account, but across hundreds of accounts under your management. So you can author these rules uh, using our, your own tools. Uh, today we provide a lot of the rules out of the box, which span across various services. Uh, so we have about 80 rules, uh, but we call them manage rules but you can also write your own rules using custom config rules. Uh, and these could be your you know, internal infosec policies uh, that you want to write. Uh, so it's an easy way to codify your policies and run them automatically. You could run them either periodically or every time we detect a configuration change. So it really helps with that continuous compliance aspect. We recently announced uh, a compliance history timeline So this is a snapshot out of the Config Console, but this clearly tells you when a resource went in and out of compliance. So it will identify also the rules that were violated at a particular point in time. So very handy feature if you want to look at from an audit perspective how your resource has gone in and out of compliance over a period of time. So here are some of the common use cases that customers use AWS Config for. Since config stores the current as well as the historical configuration of resources, uh, the most popular use case is for audits and compliance. So a lot of our customers, especially in financial sector and healthcare, uh, want to make sure that every configuration change to their critical workloads uh, are tracked and it can be traced back to an approved change request that that they may have in their own ITSM tool. So they use the config details to correlate that information. Config also helps in root cause analysis or troubleshooting because you have the timeline of what changes occurred. So let's say there's an outage and you want to find out what happened last night, you would have a record of all changes, uh, all resources and the changes that they underwent uh, last night. It also helps in security intelligence efforts as you can identify a list of resources that meet a specific criteria uh, so, for example, EC2 instances running a particular army uh, or an S3 bucket having a particular policy, et cetera. So, today, AWS Config supports about 24 different services and more than 60 resource types. Now, this includes most of the popular resource types or services that customers use today. Um, and over a period of time, you would see this list grow. Now let's hear from Brad about how Genesis is using a number of tools in his environment to monitor governance. Take it away, Brad.
1: Thanks, Sid. Uh, first off, I want to thank everybody for being here and making it out to this session. Hopefully you guys get some good information um, from this session. Um, so my name is Brad Segobiano. I'm a senior software engineer with Genesis. Um, I work on our uh, infrastructure team so, the infrastructure team is responsible for a fully automated CI CD pipeline, as well as ownership at a high level of our AWS accounts. Um, and we also deal with all our integrations with uh, lots of third party uh, services that we use. Um, so, today, what we're going to go over in my little se- uh, section will be a little bit about the scale of the infrastructure that we're actually operating on, on the AWS side of this. Um, we'll talk about some of the problems that we're actually trying to solve. We'll do uh, two um, high level architecture overviews um, one is how we're orchestrating across. Uh, AWS accounts, and one is um, how we're actually using config within a single account. And um, the last bit we'll talk about is um, we'll also talk about why um, we chose to use AWS config and some of our future plans going forward um, with some of the new features that SIDS Group's coming out with. So uh, Genesis is the leader in context center infrastructure, and it's made up of three products Pure Cloud, Pure Connect, and Pure Engage. And today we're going to be talking about Pure Cloud. So, Pure Cloud is deployed primarily on, or 100% onto AWS. That's what we'll be talking about today, that that specific product. So the uh, PureCloud is actually made up of about 200 microservices, most of which are deployed to all of our AWS accounts and all of our AWS regions. Um, we operate completely knockless and a completely architecture. So that means, uh, for people who aren't aware of that, it means that um, you know the same thing that we're deploying to dev is the same thing we're deploying to test and up to prod. Um, and we also operate in a complete uh, DevOps culture. So. Those 200 microservice teams are responsible for their own infrastructure. So whatever resources that they provision within AWS, they're responsible for the operation of, they're the ones who get woken up in the middle of the night, that type of stuff. So when I said that we're in charge of the AWS accounts, that's at a high, uh, very high level. Um, as Sid mentioned earlier, uh, AWS Config actually gives you the ability to do uh, inventory management. So in fact, all these data here that's on the right um, is directly from an API call to AWS Config. You can, you can view it in the console as well, but all this data is coming directly out of AWS Config. And um, it's just to show a little bit of the scale that we're operating at. So we have about 7,000 EC2 instances, 3,000 auto-scaling groups, uh, roughly, 16,000 volumes, and a whole bunch of other snapshots and images and things like that, 1,000 Lambda functions. Um, So this is just to show the amount of change that we have within our environments throughout the week. So in Dev, we do about 1,500 deploys. That's a you know, CloudFormation update with a brand new set of auto-scaling groups and brand new instances inside of those. We do about 1,500 of those a week, 500 in test, and about 350 in production. Um, so what that means, because we are not, we don't own the, AW, uh, the infrastructure of the individual microservice teams deploy, it puts us in a situation where we need to then come up with a, a way to manage these resources but still allow the teams to be able to use whatever you know, latest and greatest uh, AWS resource they would like to use. So that's, at a high level, the problem we're trying to solve. How do we determine that resources are no longer needed within our account? So the individual things that we're trying to solve is, we want to, uh, first off, we want to eliminate waste. So when I say waste here, we're talking about AWS resources that are in our account that no one needs. So the example I like to use for this is, you know, um, anyone who's been in AWS for a long time, has had, uh, come across some random auto-scaling group with a whole bunch of very large instance types that nobody knows what it does and is no longer needed. That's just sitting there racking up money. So um, the thing that we're trying to prevent is eliminate that types of, uh, those types of waste. So obviously, there's a cost factor associated with that. right? Um, if you have you know, RDS databases sitting out there that nobody's using or large instance types, that, that can add up very, very quickly, and there's no reason to have those resources anyways. Um, The other thing that's really important with when we talk about eliminating waste is avoiding AWS resource limits. So there's a finite number of specific AWS resources you can have, say, for example, CloudWatch CloudWatch alarms or specific EC2 instance types, right? There's there's an upper limit to the amount of those you can have. Um, So to protect yourself from running into some odd failure when you're trying to deploy, or even worse, you're trying to scale, um, removing unnecessary resources prevents you from bumping into that limit. Um, Because the last thing you want to do is fail to be able to scale out because you don't have any more of that instance type, for example. Um, and we also want to just maintain a compliant uh, environment. So when I say compliant in this context, it's it means, um, it means uh, uh, needed or not needed within our account based off of the custom configuration rules that we wrote. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in this context, when we see a compliant, that's what we're talking about. AWS has the concept of compliant, not compliant, not applicable. But in this context of this talk, we're talking about not needed or waste, essentially, in our account. Something we can delete. So there are open source tools that do this, um, but there are some problems. There's actually several problems. Um, the first one is they most of them run in some form of an introspective scan. So what that means is every hour, on the hour, they're doing a describe all my auto-scaling groups, they're pulling them down, they're iterating through the list, and they're checking compliance of those resources. There's problems with that. First off, all the data's out of date since the last time you've ran. So if you run on the hour, every hour, 40 minutes later, your data, your, your resources could change hundreds of times within that 40 minutes, and you're looking at out-of-sync out data. It also means you have uh, idle servers. So the way those introspective scans work is you'll, you'll r- do a whole bunch of compute on the hour when you're detecting compliance, and then in between that run to the next hour, you're doing nothing. So you have idle servers, you're paying for servers you don't need. So we wanted to move to a more event-driven approach. Um, because of the way that that works, you're doing large bursts of API calls. So since it's introspective, every hour you're having to describe, well, in our case, we had 7,000 auto-scaling groups. You're having to describe 7,000 auto-scaling groups and anyone who's been in AWS for a long time has been rate-limited at some point, the way to get rate-limited is to do a lot of calls very fast, and and so burst is not not ideal. Um, So to avoid that, we we wanna be more, again, event-driven. No centralized reporting. So a lot of the tools that are out there do have reporting about compliance or resources that can be deleted within a specific account, but most of them do not have a cross-account centralized reporting, which is a a problem, and that's something we're trying to solve and lack of support for newer AWS resource types. So what we found is we had to, um, with a lot of the tools, as AWS came out with our latest and greatest new resource type, we were constantly having to write our own rules um, inside of these open source projects or whatever tools we're using. And we're constantly having to write them anyways. And the the code that we're having to write for those is much more complex than what we can write in config. Config rules are very, very concise rules. They're very, very small and very easy to write. So uh, we were having to do a lot more legwork every time Amazon came out with a new resource we wanted to support. And a lot of the existing tools use a lot of the older AWS technologies. We just wanted to move to more of the latest and greatest with the AWS technologies. So we wanted to be serverless and Dynamo and config and a lot of the newer stuff. We wanted to move to that stuff. So um, as Sid mentioned earlier, uh, config has two different types of rules. So you have the manage rules that Sid mentioned earlier. There's like 60 or 70 of them now um, that are out of the box rules that you can take today and just use them. Um, But we have a set of rules that we wrote that are custom rules. And the nice part about config and the custom rules is that you can be your rules can be as generic or as specific to your account as necessary depending on you know the way you're deploying your stuff the way you're operating so the first few rules up there on the, um, on the list are pretty generic uh, most people could probably use some rule very similar to that um, in fact the volume rule up there is a managed rule we just haven't started using it but Sid's group already, already made a rule for that so that one will come off the list soon. Um, But as you move down the list, some of these are very specific, like our deployment modality and the way like we're deploying our AMIs and promotions and things, so. Um, But the one I want you guys to remember is the uh, instance one, because we use that in the architecture example. So the rule for our instances in our account is, all the instances have to be part of an auto-scaling group. They can't be stopped. So one of those will make it not compliant. Those are the rules. All right, so a bit about the architecture across AWS accounts. So in each one of our AWS accounts that we have, so for example, it's Dev. Uh, we have a set of config rules that are those custom rules that I just showed you a second ago. So each, all those rules are sitting in there. Amazon has already provided, uh, AWS config has already provided the actual SNS topics. That's already there. You don't have to do anything with that. You just have to enable config in your account. So literally, the only thing we had to deploy in this case is just the rules themselves. Um, we have a centralized infrastructure account. This is a different AWS account that we then wire up a Lambda function to subscribe to the SNS topic in all of our other accounts. Um, and each one of these is deployed via CloudFormation, so it's very extensible. So if we you know, decide we're gonna make you know, production better or better production account, it's simply running the CloudFormation update and we have a new account, we hook up the, um, the subscribed Lambda function and we're off, off to the races. So we're able to actually uh, view everything right then. And even the infrastructure account itself has the same set of rules. So every one of our accounts, even the infrastructure that's monitoring all the other accounts, has the same compliance rules in that as well. Um, So we're gonna walk through a specific example of actually uh, uh, taking a resource out of compliance. And we'll talk about the architecture a little bit. So, like I said, config's already enabled in this account, and we have a set of rules there. And let's say I decide to go into the AWS console and stop an instance, which I said earlier, will make your resource not compliant. The stopping of the instance can, uh, uh, when you go in the console and you click stop, it's going to send an event called a configuration change event to invoke your Lambda function, which is your custom rule. So the custom rule is gonna get this event that comes across that's essentially a CloudWatch event plus a describe, which is effectively all the information you need to know to see if the resource was stopped, right? In this case, we're talking about instances or seeing if the resource is compliant. Um, In this case, it's stopped, right? So it's, you're not having to make an additional API call. All you're having to do is saying, did the event, is the instance state stopped? And in this case, it would be. So what that means is you'll do a put evaluation back to AWS config saying the resource is compliant, not compliant, or not applicable. In this case, the resource is not compliant. That will trigger a compliant state change event that, that config puts on that SNS topic. So this is, that's all set up for you. Uh, config already does that and sends the event and everything. Um, but because the resource was previously compliant and I went in the console and I stopped it, it's not compliant now. That'll go across that SNS channel to our Lambda function. And then based off of which way the um, which way we're going? If we're going from non-compliant to compliant or compliant to non-compliant, we would either write or delete in Dynamo. So this table would consist of all of our resources that are not compliant. So in this case, um, since we went from a compliant to a not compliant, we would write a record to Dynamo and we'd put some additional meta information about um, when we actually want to clean when we actually want to clean the resource up. There are several other uh, periodic Lambda functions that do some nice. Uh, Nice to have is around notifications, so it does like batch notifications. We kind of group notifications, assuming you had a resource that went in and out of compliance uh, fairly frequently. This um, you don't want to be sending notifications all the time, so we do a daily notification. Where we're blocking those all together. Um, we also have a mechanism for opting out. So assuming that ECT resource that I had, um, assuming that ECT resource that I had. Uh, um, Oh, assuming that resource was, um, it's okay to be stopped, I could opt it out, and then we have a mechanism for TTLing that opt out, so that way, later on, people can come back and um, have to go through this whole process again. And then, obviously, we have a mechanism for deleting resources. So some tips for success that we found um, on the right is the config rules themselves. Uh, This is the UI for config. so we decided that one rule per resource type worked really, really well for us. It made the rules very, very simple because all we have to simply write is because the event um, contains the CloudWatch event plus a describe call, the rules become very, very simple at that point. But we found that um, making one-to-one mapping keeps the complexity of those rules very, very um, low and uh, it's easy to debug. And you also don't run into scenarios where you have conflicting rules, where rule A says the resource is not compliant and rule B says the resource is compliant. Um, periodic and configuration-based, so in the example we showed with the architecture, that's a configuration-based change, so that happens every single time the resource changes, the evaluation happens, and the resource is evaluated to see if it's compliant. But what we found is it's actually a good practice to also do periodics as well. The reason you would want to do that is because requirements could change for your, your compliance requirements could change. So say, for example, um, we decide three months later that stopped instances are okay, all we have to do is update the rule, the simple rule. We remove that little if check that's saying, is the resource stopped? And um, the, because we're running periodically, the next time that runs, it'll pick up the latest change, and we're getting an up, up-to-date uh, version of that. So that's really important, assuming the resource doesn't change. So if I stop the instance and I don't change the resource, it would never reinvoke the rule a second time. So the reason we do the periodics is um, in case we ever change our compliance um, requirements. The other advantages in the example I showed with the architecture earlier is that um, that was an ideal scenario where we were, we were able to put governance in place before we got the AWS account, before resources started to be provisioned. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you're given, a, you know, AWS accounts that already have existing resources. So having the periodic rule allows you to, be able, uh, allows you to um, be able to support that if you're given an AWS account and it already has existing resources. It also allows you to do... Um, Um, ad hoc um, re-evaluations. So you can go ahead and just say, I want to re-evaluate all the resources for whatever reason. And the last bit is, um, so AWS Config supports about 60 plus uh, resource types. EC2, autoscaling, obviously there's two right there. But you can actually write rules for unsupported AWS resource types. The trick here is that um, you need to look at the previous state of resources and kind of get the diff between those, so you know which resources got deleted between your invocations. Right? So in the case of like EC2, if I went into the console and I deleted that instance, I had, let's say I previously stopped it like I did in the example, and I deleted that instance, that would trigger a configuration change that would say that resource got deleted. But in the case of it's an unsupported resource type, you have to uh, keep track of what was previously evaluated so you know what got deleted in between runs. So why do we choose AWS Config? Um, number one, it's event-driven. So we went from making huge bursts of API calls to making no API calls. Most of the rules do not require us to make an API call. When I say an API call, previously it used to be like a describe call or maybe a describe across a couple of resources. But we've gone from not having to make, uh, making a huge burst of API calls to zero API calls. And um, that's because the, the event for config gives you enough context in most cases to uh, be able to configure out compliance without even having to make an API call. Um, sometimes you have to make some, it just depends on specifics of your rule and your compliance. But um, most of the time, a lot of our rules, they require us to make an API call. And a live view of the world. So as Sid said, it's in real time. So it's as up to date as the invocation of that rule. So as long as it has, as fast as that rule can run and do the evaluation, you have live data. Uh, it's completely serverless, so we have no more idle servers. Um, they're not just sitting there doing nothing in between the uh, introspective scans, which is a huge advantage. It's a big cost, cost reduction. Centralized reporting and notification. Uh, notification. So we, uh, I showed in the architecture diagram that we have an infrastructure account that then uh, consolidates all the information from the other accounts. We built that, and it somewhat predated some of the stuff Sid's gonna talk about in the later part of this, but essentially that part's obsolete now because config provides um, aggregation across multiple AWS accounts. Uh, and extensibility, it's very, very easy to write rules. Very easy to write these rules. So. I, I, I can't reiterate how easy they are. And most of the rules, some of the rules, specifically like the instance rules, are a dozen lines of code. They're very, very simple. They look at the record of the event that's coming across, they check, do a couple of if checks, and then they do a put evaluation back to config. As opposed to what we were having to do every time AWS came out with a new resource with some of the existing tools, is write a whole bunch of custom code and do a bunch of API calls and stuff. So they're very, very easy to write. And they're very extensible. If, you, if compliance changes, it's very easy to add a new check in there to check one other thing or remove something. A uh, quick bit about the scale. So in this week, um, in August, uh, I, um, this, is, this is the number of resources that we actually marked for deletion. So on that Thursday, uh, throughout the day, we had 562 resources that were not needed in our account, and we determined that they're not needed, they're no longer compliant, and we marked them for deletion to be cleaned up at some later point. Now, that doesn't mean they actually got deleted, because they could go back into a compliant state at any given time. Like, if I, uh, like, let's say my stopped instance is one of those things. I could go back into the console, I could start the instance again. It's going to put it back into it. It's going to trigger that whole cycle. It's going to do a new evaluation. It's going to determine that the resource is now compliant. This is the total number of evaluations. So this is the number of checks that we did, the number of invocations of that lambda. And it just shows you a little bit about the scale of what we're talking about. So on that Wednesday, we were able to do close to 80,000 evaluations of resources to see if they're compliant or not. So some of the future use and where we're going to go with AWS Config, um, obviously more rules. It's, it's very easy to write. It's very easy for us to add more rules. So more rules, lots more rules. Um, security compliance, so we're gonna try to migrate a lot of things that we used to have that were security compliance things into AWS config. So earlier, I talked about having a um, having a one rule per, um, a one resource type per rule thing, but later on, if you start to become, uh, start to have different flavors of compliance, so in our example, we're talking about compliance and is it a waste or is it not needed, but you could have a security compliance, you could have it like an SRE compliance. Um, But yeah, that's where we're trying to get is to move some of the security compliance checks to be in config as well as a new flavor of compliance within our account. Um, And like I said before, currently those are CloudWatch events. A lot of them are CloudWatch events. They're very easy to migrate to a rule because the event that you're gonna get in config is essentially the CloudWatch event and described. We wanna reduce the overall number of API calls. Now, obviously I showed that as part of the running of this tool is gonna to reduce the number of API calls. But when I, when I mean API calls here, I'm talking about any API calls against your infrastructure. So as Sid mentioned earlier, the, um, the configuration items that you can get in um, config are a superset of a describe. So what that means is instead of making a describe against EC2 or auto-scaling or whatever, you can describe against AWS config and get the entire list um, timeline for, of a specific resource and the current configuration of that resource. You can also do that in batches as well. So it makes it very, very easy. So any, any tooling that needs to make API calls against um, AWS infrastructure that they would previously go to do that specific resource, they can do against config. So we're going to try to move a lot more of our tools to start doing that. Um, and configuration item aggregation. Uh, I'll let Sid talk about this, but it's, it's good news. I think it's really, really great stuff. So it'll reduce the number of calls we're having to make. So Thanks.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brad. So that was good use of config in the cost optimization scenario where you selected or you identified resources that need to be deleted. Thereby, you know, you ended up saving some costs. So great use case. So now let's say you liked what you said and you enabled config uh, across multiple accounts in your enterprise. As a central IT administrator, How can you get an enterprise-wide view of your resource inventory, uh, the configuration as well as the compliance status? So that's where this new feature comes in handy. It's called the AWS Config Multi-Account Multi-Region Data Aggregation. And it gives you that aggregated view of both configuration and compliance across multiple accounts and regions. It is also integrated with AWS organizations which simplifies the whole setup experience. And to top it off, it's available at no additional charge for AWS Config customers. Now, before I get into the demo, let me introduce you to some new concepts. An aggregator is a new resource type in Config, and it identifies the sources, that is, the accounts and the regions from where the Config data needs to be pulled. The aggregator... Account is an account that contains an aggregator. A source account is the account whose both configuration and compliance data is being pulled. Authorization is an action that authorizes the aggregator account to collect the config data from a source account. An aggregated view is a dashboard that presents the aggregated information about the configuration and compliance for your resources. So at the heart of this, you have an aggregator, which basically collects all the config information from multiple accounts and regions, and then it finally presents you uh, a dashboard. You can also retrieve this information through the APIs. So you directly just call the aggregator. You don't have to call individual resources within the source accounts. You just call the aggregator, and you get all the information through a single API. So in order to get started, the first thing is, you need to enable config and a set of config rules across multiple accounts. Um, Now, there are tools like CloudFormation stack sets which allow you to take a CloudFormation template and run it across multiple accounts and regions, as well as an uh, entire OU organization unit. So that's an easy way to enable config across uh, your organization. You then have to create an aggregator in the, in the account where you want to see the, the centralized information. So that's the aggregator account. And then the source accounts need to authorize the aggregator account to collect their information. And finally, you can view the aggregator dashboard in that central uh, aggregator account. Okay, right, it's demo time. So let me get here and swap laptops. Okay, there we go. So I'll go into the uh, AWS Config Console. You can scroll down, it's under Management Tools. So right out the bat, you can see a resource inventory widget, which for for this particular account, which, let's say, this is the aggregator account, or the account where I want to see all the uh, information from other accounts. So I can see the resources in in my account currently, uh, and the config rule compliance status. But what I'm more interested in uh, here is creating an aggregator. So let me quickly skip this part and take you to the aggregator section. Let's create an aggregator. So at the top, you need to provide consent to AWS config to start pulling information from other accounts into this particular account. Once you give us that consent, I can name my aggregator. And then I need to select my source accounts. So I've got two options here. I can either upload a list of individual accounts select the regions from where I need to pull the information from. So this feature is available in all public regions. So I'll select all, and I'll also include future regions so that as new regions come up, you don't need to update your aggregator. It'll automatically pull data from those regions into the aggregator. Go ahead and create that. So that was the setup in my central account or my aggregator account. Now, let me log into one of the source accounts because now I need to authorize uh, the aggregator account to collect my information. So, log in there. So, you can see that there is an authorization request that has come in here on the left. I'll click on it. So you can see there's a request from this particular account, and it's requesting for authorization. So I'll go ahead and authorize the aggregator account. Go ahead and authorize it. And by the way, this can be done programmatically as well. So if you have like 100 accounts from where you're aggregating, you don't need to do it through the console, it can all be done through a cloud formation template, so grant authorization programmatically as well. So we can do that. Now it's authorized. So now let me go back to the central uh, aggregator account, and I should be able to start seeing the aggregated information. So let me go there. So this is my central aggregator account. Click on my aggregator, and I can see an aggregated view uh, right here, so you can see that I've got a list of resources. This is a resource inventory from from all the accounts that I am aggregating, and you have the breakdown per resource type. So let me let me click on the security group here. I can see a list of all security groups across all accounts and the region. I can filter it if I want to see the security groups for a particular account. It's right there, and then I can also see, uh, instead of security group, I can see the entire resource inventory. So I'll select all, and this should give me the complete resource inventory for that account from, from right here from the central aggregator account. So when I click on any one of these resources, I can see the current configuration of that resource as well. things like resource ID, uh, subnet details, anything that's present in, that you typically get in a describe API call. Now just the whole thing can also be programmatically retrieved uh, and we call it a configuration item. And as, as mentioned before, it contains details about the describe API response as well as relationships and tags. So that's all uh, enclosed as a configuration item. So here's what uh, it looks like. It has all the details that you can retrieve programmatically as well. So here at the bottom, you can also see a list of accounts, like top accounts by number of resources. So this gives you an idea of which accounts are having the most number of resources in your enterprise. I can, just as before, I can look at the resources in that particular account, or check the current configuration of any particular resource. So let's say here, this CloudFormation stack, I can see uh, the configuration for that as well. So note that I didn't have to log into uh, any particular account here or source account. All of this information is centrally being monitored uh, in my aggregator account. Now, on the right-hand side, I've got the compliance information. So things like the top non-compliant rules. So this is across all the accounts I am aggregating. It's also got the number of resources that are, being, uh, that are non-compliant. You can click on any particular rule and get more details about that. Uh, the resource IDs that are violating a particular rule. In this case, uh, these S3 buckets do not have server-side encryption enabled. Again, I can use a number of filters here. I can filter by compliance status. So let's see, you wanna look at the non-compliant rules. I can filter it by region. And I can filter it by account. So let's go back to the aggregated view. I've also got the list of uh, top non-compliant rules. So these are the rules that have the most number of uh, non-compliant resources across all those accounts. And then I've got top accounts by non-compliant rules. So these are sort of your bad actors uh, who have the most number of non-compliant rules. so very nifty feature where you can get all this information without logging into those individual accounts so that was that was a demo about uh, centrally monitoring both configuration and compliance information uh, in a non organization's scenario okay let me switch my laptop here okay all right so just to recap so far I've showed you I've shown you uh, how to aggregate config data uh, from individual accounts and regions into a central aggregator account um, now let me talk a little bit about the organizations AWS organizations integration for those of you who are not familiar with uh, organizations it's a service that allows you to group together a list of accounts you know in a hierarchical uh, fashion so that it's easier for you to manage them uh, in this case uh, AWS Config can retrieve the set of accounts that belong to an organization. Uh, so we would automatically pull those accounts into the aggregator. You don't have to upload a list of accounts that you had to do in the non-organization scenario. So I'll show you that how this, this integration simplifies the setup experience for uh, aggregation. Uh, notice that I had to do the authorization uh, in the non-organization's case but here, you don't need to do that authorization step, because uh, your member accounts already trust your master account. Uh, and today, we allow the creation of this aggregator only in the master account. So that trust is already established. So that, that part really simplifies the setup experience. Uh, and you just need to enable a config, create an aggregator, choose your organization, and you should be able to see your aggregated dashboard. Uh, The other benefit of organizations integration is whenever any account joins your organization or leaves your organization, the aggregator automatically gets uh, updated. Okay. So now let me give you a quick demo about the organizations scenario. So just like before, I'll go ahead and create an aggregator. Give it a name. And this time, I'll just add my organization. So this assumes you're already in the master account of your org. And we'll need a a role. Uh, So the role in this case would be a read-only role, where config will go ahead and just get a list of all accounts that belong to your organization. So that's that's the only thing, we don't have any write permissions to do anything, we just purely retrieve the list of accounts in your ARG. Uh, select all regions, include future regions, and go ahead and create that. So now when I click on the aggregated uh, dashboard, I should be able to see the information just like before. Uh, I didn't have to do any authorization step here. So it really uh, simplified your whole setup experience. Uh, Just like before, you can see the same widgets. Your resource inventory on the left uh, and the compliance on the right. You can filter by the accounts in your org here. So I think I have about 50 accounts in my org here and should be able to view the compliance as well as configuration details for any of those accounts. So just like before, you can do the same filtering. So I'll I'll skip that part, let's go back here. So here are uh, some customer testimonials for folks who have evaluated uh, the feature. In fact, one of of them is uh, Brad from Brad here. Uh, He was involved in the private beta phase. So really glad that it worked out for him, and we've got some excellent feature requests as well. So thank you for that, Brad. so that was a best practice for like that was the primary best practice that we recommend you know turning on multi account multi region data aggregation because so it really allows you to uh, you know collect both configuration and compliance information from multiple accounts and regions uh, here are some additional best practices Uh, Config generates snapshots, which is basically your current configuration for all your resources in your account, and that snapshot file gets delivered in your S3 bucket uh, today on an on-demand basis. So you call an API, and we deliver the snapshot. Uh, So for centralized monitoring, we recommend that you have a common S3 bucket where you can, you know, collect these snapshots from across multiple accounts and regions. You can then use that file... Uh, you know, for offline analysis, you can hook it up with Amazon Athena and then query it for any particular use case that you may have. Uh, We also have uh, event notifications that we generate. So uh, anytime a configuration changes or a compliance changes, today we send uh, Amazon SNS notifications as well as CloudWatch events. Uh, So we recommend that you have a common uh, SNS topic uh, or you use CloudWatch event bus to collect all those events into a central uh, location uh, for for centralized monitoring. So to summarize, uh, here are some best practices uh, that I spoke about. Number one, use uh, AWS Config for effective governance of your resource configuration and compliance. Uh, Get that central visibility into the configuration and compliance using the multi-account, multi-region aggregation feature. Uh, It's available in all public regions, uh, and it's at no additional cost for you if you're a config customer. And while you're using that, leverage the AWS organization's integration, because that really simplifies your setup experience. Uh, Collect snapshots and history files into a common S3 bucket, and use a common SNS topic or events bus to uh, collect all the event notifications. Here are some uh, useful links, uh, additional resources. We've got uh, you know, some excellent blogs that tell you how to query your snapshot files using Amazon Athena, You know, a very step-by-step uh, procedure written by one of our developers. So I encourage you to take a look at those blogs as well. That brings us to the end of this uh, presentation. Thank you, and we're open for questions. Yeah. Not at the moment. So this is while defining the aggregator, you want to just collect accounts using certain tags. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a good uh, feedback. I mean, currently we don't have that. We just you can uh, you can create those accounts as a file and upload that file. That's that's a workaround. But we don't have it by tags yet. Uh,
1: Clarification: So you said public, so GovClouds
0: out. Correct. Correct, okay. yep. And then can OU membership
1: be used to drive the rules? So can I have different compliance rules for, for one OU versus a different OU?
0: Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. So the rules exist uh, on a per account, uh, and it's up to you where you want to deploy those rules, right? So you can use CloudFormation stack sets to deploy rules to a particular OU. Um and, and that's way that's how the rule gets evaluated in that account and we can pull that information in here. In the organization scenario, it's only the master account, uh, but if you want to view the aggregated information in another account, it's the non-organization scenario, which is you know the authorization flow and that all that. So currently, the organizations is only the master account. Yep? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, that's what we do today. So today every configuration change that we track and config, we send out a notification. Uh, and you know, even for any compliance change, we send out a notification. You can also filter that because a lot of times it could be noisy. So uh, you know, CloudWatch events has a native filtering experience on their console. Uh, So you can filter by, if you only want configuration changes, you can filter it. Or if you only want configuration changes for a particular type of resource, you could filter to that level as well. Oh. Absolutely, so uh, you can, there are some rules for CIS which we offer as managed rules, uh, but you could create your own uh, you know, custom rules for various frameworks, so PCI or HIPAA or whatever, uh, and then you could basically just have the rule evaluated. Uh, at the end of the day, the rule is evaluating a piece of configuration, right? So you define what policy you want, or like what logic you want to check in the configuration, and that could be applicable either for PCI or HIPAA or whatever. No, it's, I mean, it's just a rule. It's a framework for you to create, but we are not providing that uh, in our console. Yeah. You could, I mean, if you're looking for, like from a reporting perspective that this rule is related to PCI, you could annotate a rule. Uh, but so while, while creating a put evaluation uh, API, you could annotate it with, this is related to PCI one dot whatever rule. So that's one mechanism to, to overcome it. anyone else? All right It's good. Thank you.